Welcome to One Haas, a podcast devoted to bringing the Haas community closer together through your stories. I'm your host, Sean Lee, and my mission is to help open our eyes to the network we never knew we had. So today I'm joined by Jen DeAngelis of the EW2020 program. How are you doing? Doing well. Thank you for having me. We are taking a lunch break from our Saturday classes. Woo, it's a two-hour one, so that's exciting. Did not expect that today. No. So I want to talk to you, Jen, today because you have a really interesting background in PR and marketing. That's something I haven't seen much of at Haas. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you know of many people in marketing. Are you in the marketing club? I am or not any, in the marketing club. I should of, probably join the marketing club. <laughs> well, well, tell us a little bit, um, what, like what clubs are you in? I'm in a entrepreneurship club and the Redwoods at Haas Club. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a outdoorsy club. Um, yeah, not too much in terms of that, but I did join the EWMBA Association this year under the philanthropy wing. So helping to raise class gifts, that sort of thing. Nice. Yeah. Jen, walk us a little bit through your past uh, starting at UCLA. Yeah, so I graduated UCLA in 2009, and that was when blogs and uh, social media were just really starting to emerge. Mm -hmm. And I was accepted into the Peace Corps. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to go to Albania of all places and work as a health volunteer. But I think what ultimately started to shape my life was that I started a YouTube channel Mm -hmm. um, while I was in Albania. Honestly, I was just sort of lonely and had lots of thoughts and time and wanted to share my experience. Mm -hmm. One of the main Peace Corps goals is sharing kind of the culture of the U.S. with the nation you're in and vice versa. So I thought that would be a good way to achieve in part some of the identified goals of the Peace Corps. And what I found out was I was really just sharing my daily life. And at that time, there wasn't a whole lot of competition in terms of YouTube views or viewers. So one of my videos called Hungary in Albania reached 100,000 views very quickly. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) So at that time, though, I wasn't really strong enough as a person, I don't think, because the feedback that you get on YouTube can be very hurtful, I guess is the Mm -hmm. best way to describe Mm -hmm. it. In relation to other platforms, I think people are a little bit more vicious. And I hadn't really developed my sense of self enough at that time. So hearing so many wonderful comments, but also a lot of comments about the way that I looked and spoke, and I decided I didn't really want to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. So I came back to the US and I got my first internship with Tom's, the one for one shoe company, was helping them with some of their social stuff and realized that I could do a career in social social media. Oh, wow. So that's when I shifted my guys towards more like corporate social media. And from there, I worked with several agencies and worked across some of like the top brands in the world, like Hilton, Four Seasons, Auberge, Macaroni Grill, mm-hmm. uh, let's see, Cheesecake Factory. Really, if you've looked at any top Fortune 500 companies that are pursuing social media, I've probably <laughs> touched with them in some capacity or the other. Um, also worked on major award shows like the Golden Globes. And so I got a taste for what it's like to do and manage corporate social media. This was at uh, Murphy O'Brien, right? Yes. So Murphy O'Brien is an LA-based firm. 
and they traverse across luxury real estate, luxury travel, and then they also have their lifestyle collection. It's a great firm if you're looking for job opportunities in Los Angeles, but I was the first digital native to come aboard, so I was tasked with building and growing the digital division from the ground up. And was that kind of where you were last at before Haas? Yes. So I quit in, I guess, June of last year, which is 2017. Mm -hmm. When I was accepted to Haas or a little bit after that, I decided that, well, to take a step back, as I was (laughs) coordinating all these major campaigns, I was working with influencers and that was a big part of my job. So I take influencers out. And if you don't know what an influencer is, it's... Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. It's somebody on social media who has above a certain amount of following. It's usually above 100,000, at least in in terms of the campaigns that I was working on. Mm -hmm. And companies use influencers to tout their top initiatives. So for instance, hotels invite influencers to come and stay at the hotel for free in exchange for that influencer posting Mm -hmm. across their social media with certain hashtags. Um, So for instance, if you wanted to raise awareness on the spa, you would invite somebody like Kiara Franji, who has millions of followers on Instagram, was one of the first kind of fashion influencers to come and experience a spa day Mm -hmm. at, let's say, the Beverly Hilton, which was one of the clients that I worked on. And from there, she would post about it. And then you would see an influx of reservations typically for the spa and also awareness raising, as well as the Beverly Hilton's accounts continuing to grow because of this cross promotion with influencers. So that's sort of how the influencer side works. Um, it's <laughs> def- and, uh, I'm really curious because with something like a, like a digital product or, you know, like a website, it would be a lot easier to track kind of the, the, the effect of that influencer. How did you guys go about it with something like a physical space like Hilton? I, I, you mentioned some metrics like increased reservations. Were there any other ways to kind of yeah, absolutely. So we would kind of uh, approach it from a qualitative and quantitative respect. So in terms of quantitative, we would look at typically there was a spike in website views on the same days that influencers were posting about the property. So we would look at that. Mm. We'd also look at the growth of the client account. So how much did Beverly Hilton grow when Kiara talked about us online? Right. And then we'd also look for intent to purchase statements. So those are more qualitative in the sense that if we looked below a post, we could see things like, oh, that spa looks so amazing. Tag my friend so-and-so, let's make a reservation this weekend. And then we also use something called affiliate links, which are a little bit more sophisticated, or at least at that time were. So you allocate a specific link to an influencer. So let's say we're trying to sell a product. You give the influencer a particular link and it tracks all of the purchases made based off of that particular influencer collaboration. Mm -hmm. So if you're talking about a book and we give an influencer a specific URL, we can track how many sales were made from that influencer collaboration. And this may be like very basic question, but with a growing number of influencers, how do companies gauge uh, or even how do digital agencies gauge who they want to engage with? Mm-hmm. It's a great question. So oftentimes we employ a third party technology. So Hyper and Tagger are two that I know of that essentially splice user data across the influencer. So it can say, 
this influencer's major target demographics are women in this age bracket who live in these major states. And so you try to find influencers with followers that align with your client Mm. demo. So if we're looking for like a luxury beat, then we want those audiences to also be luxury. Um, There's also constraints in terms of how much the client really has to work with in terms of budget. Mm -hmm. The space has changed. It used to just be we would provide experiences in exchange for posts. But now, oftentimes, there's like a monetary aspect to what we're doing. So you're negotiating fees. And so if the client has $50,000 to work with, you can hire 10 micro influencers or one major influencer to talk about it. So it's really a mix of client goals, the core audiences, and then also budget. Got it. And... So how do these, so my understanding is you're telling me these services, um, Hype, right? These Hyper. Hyper. Mm-hmm. So you're saying that Hyper has access to who, let's say you're an Instagram influencer, what the audience makeup is of mm-hmm. their followers? Yeah. So it's Instagram kind of, gives out that data? So it has to do with like having a public API, which I believe has changed in the past few weeks, maybe on the heels of things like Cambridge Analytica right, and people right. realizing that their user data is used for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. But in the space in which I was working at that time, it was legitimate in terms of being able to look at user data and see who is following who, and also look at things like affinities. So you could see how many people are, let's say we really want to be in, give me an example of a magazine, like Time. Mm -hmm. We could look at how many followers follow Time on Instagram as well. I don't even know that Time has an Instagram account, but just for example's sake, how many of their followers look at or follow time as well as that influencer account. So you can start to look for certain affinities. If we're looking to hit certain niche audiences, you can build or construct pretty specific profiles in terms of who you're targeting. Wow. I think this is actually really relevant uh, (laughs) in the context of what's going on right now to have a better understanding of what data is out there and uh, what these companies are looking at. And, And we discussed this in marketing class. I remember you mentioning this is that you know, giving all this data isn't all bad. It's it is if it's providing more value for us, making our lives easier, or providing relevancy and saving us time and having to you know search the web for whatever it is that we're looking for. I think it does provide a lot of value. Mm-hmm. I think the key aspect there is that people need to be one aware of what's happening, how mm-hmm. their data is being used, and also give consent for that. So things like Facebook creates something called a shadow profile. So even if you're not on the platform, but you're conversing with somebody who is, they can build a profile based off of you. And Zuckerberg cites quote unquote security as a reason to do that. Um, But I think that that becomes a really gray area. There was also news, I think last week that Facebook has a two tier privacy system. So Zuckerberg has more access and C-suite execs to certain privacy measures than the average user. Oh, wow. So I think Facebook and and what's happening now in Zuckerberg on trial with the Senate is really going to dictate a lot of, well, basically create a lot of precedence in terms of how we look at user data and giving out our own data Mm -hmm. to social media platforms and how those can be used and kind of really truly understanding the implications of giving up our data and what that means. In terms of the digital marketing landscape, so you mentioned, you know, uh, influencers on Instagram, YouTube, it feels like those channels are easier to track. What about are bloggers still relevant? And what are some other forms of influencers or mediums? Yeah, I mean, on a client side, we had 
clients like Cheesecake Factory who required that any influencer we worked with would have social media as well as a blog. So mm. I think blog is, if you're a great writer, is an opportunity for people who follow you to learn more about you. Just like if you're an Instagram influencer and you move over to YouTube, you're giving you know 20 minute videos that allow people to get to know you beyond just what you look like in a photo. So mm -hmm. I don't think that they're necessarily outdated or archaic, but I think you definitely are seeing a, a move where eight years ago, you had to have a blog in order to be an influencer, but now that's not the case. You could just have a social media following. So I think it, it, it kind of speaks to the influencer goals and what are you really trying to achieve? Are you just trying to be a pretty model on a beach and mm -hmm. get millions of followers? <laughs> because that definitely happens. Right. Um, or are you looking to be more of like a personality and be an expert of certain kinds? And there's different ways to look at influencers. Like, are they connectors? Are they change makers? Are they people with particular expertise? Can they teach you to do something? Or are they just somebody pretty to look at? And I think there's definitely like a diversity in terms of what type of influencer and whether or not you would have a blog and if that makes sense. That's really insightful. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about school. Uh, <laughs> so tell us uh, if you can share uh, what brought you to Haas or what brought you to get an MBA? Yeah. So as I mentioned, I was what they would call an entrepreneur. So I was someone who was creating something that didn't exist, which was the digital team at Murphy O'Brien. Mm -hmm. um, when you know there really wasn't any rules for how would we build this how would we bill it <laughs> what type of clients do we want right. what type of team members do we need and i realized that even though i was pretty effective in growing the collection there were so many things i didn't know like i didn't really understand a lot of the finance aspects of what i was trying to do and mm. i felt like there was a lot better ways to kind of approach some of the problems and i didn't really have the toolkit because i was a uh, political science major undergraduate mm. and not somebody who really focused any time on business mm. um, in undergrad. So I came here with the understanding that one, I wanted to start my own company. And when I did that, I wanted more tools and more knowledge to be a really successful entrepreneur. And so when I left Murphy O'Brien, I had two clear goals. I really wanted to learn as much as I could from Haas and yeah. all the wonderful, amazing people that I've met since I've been here who are incredibly smart shameless plug for UC Berkeley, but, <laughs> <laughs> and then also I wanted to become an influencer. Mm. So I think that maybe it could be seen as a little bit calculated, but I knew that there was a lot of value in building an audience and mm -hmm. that if I had an audience when I launched a company that I could be much better off and in a very unique position to succeed because I would already have like a core target market. That said, I, I love connecting with people and I really did start out organically on YouTube in you know, 2010 mm -hmm. and realized that I could have a profound effect on people if, you know, having 100,000 views and having people from Albania say basically Albanians living in Canada and all over the world saying thank you so much for saying something positive about Albania we rarely hear anything and if anything it's negative like right. that movie Taken where I think Albanians <laughs> are positioned as terrorists yeah. so thank you so much for sharing more about our culture mm -hmm. and I received a lot of comments that Basically, I was like a role model and I'd never really seen myself in that way. Hmm. So I realized that I had a unique ability to capture people online and that maybe I could do something more than just be like a pretty face online that I could potentially launch a business, be a hashtag girl boss and right, right. Uh, inspire other women to you know create their own companies or go further in their own careers. And so I, I think I see my career as something larger than just creating a profitable company, which 
hopefully I will. Um, mm -hmm. And by the way, you can follow me at Jen Wanders Official um, mm -hmm. on Instagram if you're looking. Well, we'll share the, uh, <laughs> the links to those uh, in the description below. Oh, perfect. Mm -hmm. um, Let me ask you this to follow up on that. What are some interesting projects or entrepreneurial endeavors that you're working on or that you're hoping to work on? Yeah, so I... I'm really hoping to launch a clothing company with my good friend, Tira. Mm -hmm. um, she's at Tiramisu and we went to UCLA together and she's one of the smartest people I know. I really admire her as a friend and just somebody who's incredibly intelligent. But we had this idea that uh, basically we couldn't find the perfect t-shirt. Mm -hmm. And as hard as we tried, there was always something off about the fit or material or it'd be too see-through. So we came up with this really simple idea. We wanted to make really well-made t-shirts in a way that's going to benefit society in the mm -hmm. sense that we want to source materials that are recycled. So we found this really cool material called RPET, which is recycled water bottles. Mm -hmm. And essentially we want to create a company that's very ethically sourcing the materials and that we're hiring everyone, but also giving opportunities to women. And we have a lot of ideas on how we can do that. But again, I think it speaks to it's, it's simple in the sense that it's a clothing company. It would be direct to consumers online only with exclusion of maybe some pop-up shop opportunities. Mm -hmm. But we think that that's a pretty profitable business model. And since I have a built-in following that that would be kind of a leg up on competition in the sense that we can market to my core audiences to begin with and mm -hmm. then move forward with targeting, you know, other core markets. So I do have to ask, you know, being at Haas with all the resources available, are there any resources or uh, any areas of support that you would like to see? Or um, I guess, you know, for any listener that could help you, are there any ways that, you know, Haas or the Haas students can provide any kind of support or advice? Yeah, I mean, honestly, following me <laughs> helps a lot. Mm -hmm. That's what, uh, so how I make money today, because Losly or... Can you spell it? L-O-S-L-I. It's okay. an acronym for life or something like it. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Very <laughs> <Yeah>. meta. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like low-key hipster, but... But in terms of, you know, getting oh, support from us. Right. So following is extremely helpful because how I make money today is that based on my followings, companies reach out to me and we agree on set terms in terms of what I will provide and like a review on the video or taking a photo with the product and mm -hmm. tagging them and an exchange. I am typically paid for that sort of thing. So the number one thing that you guys can do to help me is definitely follow me in terms of what else? Like, comment, and subscribe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shameless plugs here. But I think if you are at all interested in either fashion or social media, I'm I'm happy to talk. I think part of the value that I bring to this ecosystem is that I have a really unique perspective to offer. So mm -hmm. happy to have coffee dates. Um, but I think if you have any expertise in editing, <laughs> anything to do with YouTube, or if you know people who are like VC firms that are looking to invest in influencer-backed companies, that would be super helpful. Mm. Anyone that's in the launch ecosystem. So I applied this year and unfortunately didn't get a spot in launch. So if you're one of the companies that did make it, I'd love to chat with you guys just based on how you created your pitch and what you guys have found successful. And yeah, just basically looking for collaborators. If there's anyone that feels like they have something to add to what I'm doing, I'd love to chat. So from your experience at Haas so far, is there, um, is there anything you could share that you found really impactful or in terms of... Uh, yeah, I think a lot, 
not all, but a lot of my friends and family when I left a lucrative job to essentially make zero income going to paying, you know, 50K per year for an MBA, people kind of looked at me like I was crazy. Mm -hmm. Like what possible gain could I have? And I think a lot of people at Haas are more long-term thinkers. So I'm taking a risk now to hopefully be earning more and making more of an impact and doing something I really love and care about in the long run. And I, I think that there's been so much support. Like people here just really understand that it's a possible. It's possible to be a, an entrepreneur to achieve more than, you know, quote, the status quo right. <laughs> and to live a life that looks a little bit different and to take those risks. And I really, really have appreciated that type of support. I think no one in here has ever looked at me like, oh, you're crazy for doing what you're doing. It's like, <laughs> oh, that's a really unique perspective on the world. And yeah. uh, we wish you luck. And a lot of times they're more than happy to help. And I think that one distinction against other business schools, not to say anything negative Mm -hmm. um, about other ones, is that I think people at Haas are genuinely pretty good people and they want to help you succeed. So I've found that by sharing my story that people have been really receptive. And I think in my 20s, I was so so set on the idea of pleasing other people. Mm. Like I thought that I got, you know, I went to a good school. I got the corporate job. Mm -hmm. I went on vacations. I did everything that I was supposed to be doing, but I was miserable. And Mm -hmm. that has nothing to do with Murphy O'Brien. That was a great company for me. And I learned so much, but it just wasn't true to who I was. Mm -hmm. And I think I was afraid I was really afraid to follow what I really wanted to do, which was to be an influencer and make a difference. I was afraid that that mm-hmm. wouldn't gel with people in right. my life and that people wouldn't be supportive. And what I found is, yeah, that's sometimes true. There are people who don't understand what I'm doing, but I think that all of the friends that I've made at Haas and all of my classmates, they understand. And I think that support has been really impactful. And in fact, now that I'm like true to who I am, this is getting like a little esoteric, but uh, now that I'm just chasing and being honest about what I want, that people mm-hmm. are actually more willing to help me yeah. and I've garnered more support than I ever have in my life. So I think regardless of what you want to do, let's say it's as simple as you know making a pivot in your career from marketing to finance or whatever the case might be, mm-hmm. know that if that's really what you want to do, don't feel like you can't because of the other actors in your life because people might surprise you. I think that is so on point. Um, (laughs) It is so characteristic of Haas as well that the more open and the more authentic we are to people, the more willing they have been to support. I mean, that's, I'm sure you can imagine I had the same fear starting this podcast just like gonna listen to this and um, but it's it's just funny it's I, I think when people can sense that you have this genuine desire to provide value to people the Haas is you know 100% behind you and I keep hearing the same message I mean just yesterday I was interviewing this full-timer and he said you know when he interviewed across different campuses the one thing about Haas that stood out was, you know, he would come on campus and then just start talking to random people. And people would take the time to sit with them for mm-hmm. half an hour, an hour, just to talk to them. And he didn't find that anywhere else. And then to extrapolate that, you know, even for my, you know, recent search into banking, students are just like, you know, if you're committed, we are 100% behind you. And that kind of, and they're not just saying that, you know, it's not just a, a verbal commitment. Like literally you text them at 8 p.m. Or, or 10 p.m. and they'll respond to you. 
you know? Yeah. And that's, sure. that's kind of something amazing. And that's something actually, I remember I experienced with you very early on <laughs> when you wanted to call me about e-commerce and, uh, <laughs> and I never even thought anything about it. I was like, of course, you know, let's, yeah. let's have a conversation about this. Yeah. Um, For background, uh, I like reached out on Facebook, of course, because got to do the social thing, <laughs> but uh, uh, about like some tax question and Sean immediately responded like, hey, like I can help on a call. And so it's like you have this huge number of people who are willing to help you all with like very diversified expertise. And that's a really cool thing about Haas and about being an entrepreneur while you're at Haas. Yeah. And I think that's the one thing, I think the one takeaway from your experiences for our listeners is really this idea that although it may seem, it may feel intimidating that there's so many MBA students here, right? Even for our EW class, what some 250 of us or 750 over three years, it feels a little overwhelming. Just yeah. walking out of class and be like, oh my gosh, there's so many people. Uh, I just want to go home and shelter away. But everybody is still so easily accessible. If you just reach out and ask, I've never had someone blow me off or say, oh, sorry, too busy, don't care, <laughs> you know? And that's, totally. that's a really important message because especially for people that are maybe more introverted, you know, it, it, is, it is really intimidating to, to be even in a classroom of 60, mm-hmm. not to mention a, a class of 250, so... I remember I was like so terrified my first class. I was like, uh, I think they made a mistake letting me in. Like, am I smart enough to be here? And uh, you I mean, know what? <laughs> everybody has said yeah. that. <laughs> I think everybody feels that way. So I think that's actually important to share too. Yeah. You know, people's insecurities and, and even just your, your brutally honest story about, you know, not being satisfied. I mean, it's just like, why else are we here? Right. <laughs> All of us were unsatisfied, right? And then just sharing that journey together, I think is really powerful. Absolutely. Yeah. That's great. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Jen. Thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning in today. My aim is to bring the Haas community closer together through your stories. We're always looking for Haasies willing to share their stories and experiences so that we can give you more insights into the different programs, different careers, and ultimately different perspectives. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please feel free to email me for suggestions on how I can improve this podcast, or if you have any recommendations on people or content you'd like to hear. My email is reachshawn at berkeley.edu. That's spelled R-E-A-C-H-S-E-A-N at berkeley.edu. 